Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. My guest today is passionate about bicycling. Despite a dramatic and life-changing bicycle accident in Florida, followed by a decision to return to journalism and to Las Vegas to cope with and overcome his trauma. He's Alan Snell. He's the author of Bicycle Man, Life of Journeys. In addition to his passion for bicycling, Alan is publisher of a popular website, lvsportsbiz.com, which covers the convergence of sports, business, stadiums, and politics. For everything about Alan Snell, go to lvsportsbiz.com, that's B-I-Z, and you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And to order Alan's book, you can email him at asnell, A-S-N-E-L, at lvsportsbiz.com. That's asnell at lvsportsbiz.com. And Alan, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. This is your second book on bicycling. The first one was Long Road Back to Las Vegas, How Las Vegas and the Golden Knights Healed a Journalist's Wounds. And I alluded to that in my opening about your return to Las Vegas. Do you want to give our listeners a little bit of your history, and then we can talk about some of the exciting stories you write about and safety issues in your new book? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Ira. I am a lifelong newspaper man, worked all around the country, and got into the whole business of sports when I was in Denver, covering Pat Boland's attempt to get a taxpayer-subsidized stadium for the Broncos in the late 90s. And I parlayed that into a career covering the business of sports for newspapers around the country, ranging from Tampa, Metro New York, Seattle, even South Florida. So that is my little newspaper niche. That's my writing niche. And that's why I came to Las Vegas 10 years ago, 2012. And I came to cover the business of sports and stadiums for the Review Journal. After about four years, I moved back to Florida living in Vero Beach in 2016. And then in 2017, you alluded to a crash that I uh, suffered uh, when a motorist smashed into me from behind while I was bicycling. That crash literally sent me back to Las Vegas. I didn't know it at the time. But when I recovered, I decided to move back to Las Vegas in 2017 and launch LVSportsBiz.com, which is as you mentioned, uh, the convergence of business and sports and marketing in this market. 2017 was a very busy year for Las Vegas, the launch of the Vegas Golden Knights, the launch of the construction of Allegiant Stadium, which has really changed the tourism and financial landscape of this market. And then I wrote a book, the book that you mentioned, actually two books. I wrote a book about my recovery. The Long Road Back to Las Vegas really is about a comeback and a recovery, coming back from the crash, launching LV Sports Biz, weaving in the issues of dealing and overcoming trauma. And I also wove in a lot of the sports activities going in, in in Las Vegas at the time. Two years later, the pandemic hit. And then I took all my bicycle stories that I've written across 35, 40 years and assembled them in a collection called Bicycle Man, Life of Journeys, which I'm quite proud about. And like you said, you can just email me if you'd like to buy a copy. I'm happy to meet. If you're in Las Vegas, I'm happy to meet you and actually give you the signed copy in person. Very nice. And for those of you not in Las Vegas, if you just email them at asnell at lvsportsbiz.com, he will get it to you. Before we get into the book, a little bit about your surprise at returning to Las Vegas, starting up LV Sports Biz and 
this business has mushroomed, if that's the word, exploded. It just like never stops in terms of the sports angle in Las Vegas. We used to think entertainment was the mainstay, and then there were other elements that gradually crept into the offerings of Las Vegas, including the culinary world and conventions, etc. But boy, sports and stadiums and arenas, it just it keeps going. Well, what's interesting about sports markets is that what drives the market are the venues. MGM Resorts International, along with Anschultz Entertainment Group, AEG out of Los Angeles, they combined forces to build T-Mobile Arena. That arena got the Golden Knights here. And a few years later, this market decided to contribute $750 million in public dollars toward the construction of a dome football stadium that brought the Las Vegas Raiders to this market. And people talk about the Oakland Athletics coming to this market from MLB, Major League Soccer. What drives the teams are the facilities. And the Oakland A's, I know there's a lot of talk about Major League Baseball and the Oakland Athletics. I don't really see them coming unless there's public free money at their disposal to help them build a baseball park in this market. Same thing with NBA. You have a very interesting private company looking into building a $3 billion casino and NBA-ready arena at Las Vegas Boulevard and Blue Diamond Road, which is about, what would you say, Ira, two miles south of the the Strip? Roughly, yes. Two to four miles, yes. And that would be the home to a potential NBA team. So... When you're talk when you're talking about markets and the explosion of sports, it's driven by these amenity-filled, revenue-generating sports venues. Now, of course, at some point we're going to see a lot more bicycles in town, and that's getting back to your book. And I never asked you yet, so now's a good time. What drove your passion for bicycles, and at what age were you passionate about bicycling? And then, despite the accident, you're still passionate about bicycling. Yeah, uh, you brought up a good point. I'm kind of a two-trick pony. One trick is the LV Sports Biz. My other trick is promoting marketing and just basically living a bicycle life. Bicycling, to me, is mobility. And what's fascinating about bicycling, Ira, is that it is apolitical. You know, we live in such a fractured country, political world now, but Bicycling is apolitical. You just hop on a two-wheeler and off you go. There's no ideology. There's no politics. You just bike. And I found that it was mobility. It was my ticket to freedom as a kid. And a lot of places you learn for the first time, your early explorations are via a bicycle as a kid. And I'm not a racer. I don't go fast. Although I do have road bikes, I ride road bikes for tourism purposes, but I also have a mountain bike. I have just what is called a beater bike, and I use bicycling for every possible purpose. Combining forces with my LV Sports Biz, I actually drive and then park outside of the stadium by a couple miles, and then I literally just take my bike out of my car and bicycle to Allegiant Stadium And I like to tell people that I have the best parking, even better than Mark Davis, actually. (laughs) I park at a bike rack literally outside of the media entrance at Allegiant Stadium. I have the best parking at the stadium. I have another bike that I use to go off-road. You know, 
we live here in Las Vegas, and I know people kind of focus in on the Strip, but we live in a place that has amazing and stunning and inspiring landscape. And I love to take the bike off-road in Red Rock Canyon. There's places along 160 that you can just park your car and just bike off-road. And you're biking on land that is undeveloped, and it's on land that you see how the world was before we built this thing called Las Vegas. So the bicycle is an extension of my body. It really, you know, and it takes me everywhere. It takes me on roads. It takes me on mountains. It takes me off-road. And it takes me to Allegiant Stadium to cover the Raiders. We went to Allegiant Stadium for the first time Sunday, last Sunday, and the Raiders won. And it was amazing because it was at the last minute. Oh, you mean just two days ago? Just two days ago. Oh, okay. Right. When people hear this, it won't be two days ago, but yes, two days ago from oh, okay. in real time, yes. You picked a good game because Absolutely. you picked a game that will go down in NFL lore for pretty much the craziest ending in history. <laughs> exactly. How do you get around, I guess you do a combination of, you're not exactly alone in just using your bike, you actually have a car as well, so you're being practical when you have to go a longer distance or get there on, on a certain time schedule. But I like the fact that you park and then take the bike out of the car and continue the journey on, on bicycle. Yeah, I do that. I find that, for example, here in the wintertime in Las Vegas, another interesting thing about living in Las Vegas, and I'll tie it into bicycling, is that we're in a geographic hub for the entire Western United States. In the summertime, I can drive up to Mount Charleston, and while it's 110 degrees in the valley, it's a pleasant 80 degrees on top of Mount Charleston, I can take the bike up there. Conversely, we're in winter now, and we've had kind of a cold start to the winter so far. And I can drive with my bike and go in a completely opposite direction to Death Valley, where it's 15 to 20 degrees warmer. So if it's a little, for us, cool, like at 50 degrees, you know, it's 65, 70 degrees and sunny in Death Valley. That's only two hours yeah, and, that's amazing. Uh, one of the real treats I take is going to Grand Canyon, where I drive to the uh, to the village, park, take the bike out, and bike on a road that's closed to cars except for buses. And it's amazing that I'm biking literally feet from the rim of the Grand Canyon. So that's the beautiful thing about the bicycle is that you could use it in any way. A lot of people use it for health reasons. You see people on road bikes, zipping around Summerlin or Henderson. And that's fine. I actually do that myself sometimes. But the beauty of the bicycle rests in its utilitarian and practical use, where it's literally just another transportation mode, Ira. I mean, I look at the bicycle as a, a way to get to beat traffic and enjoy the ride. You know, so so much of experiences, you had mentioned going to Raiders Stadium to watch the game. I don't know how you got there, but sometimes the traffic can be very annoying. It can put you in a bad mood. When I'm bicycling, I'm in a great mood. It, it's actually the endorphins are firing off. The adrenaline is running. And it actually puts me in a good mood to cover the game. So I've bicycled all over the country in terms of bike commuting. I've had jobs in New York City where I've bicycled down the west side of New York City and bicycled into down to Union Square. I've bicycled in Denver. I've bicycled in Seattle. I've bicycled in South Florida and Tampa Bay. So I find the bicycle is as 
complete a form of transportation there is on planet Earth. How do you deal with the challenge of automobiles? Clearly, you had an accident, and yet you got up off the ground and you are back on the bike over a period of time, of course. But for those people who are hesitant to ride bicycles, unless it's in a very safe area because they're afraid of cars running into them, do you have any practical advice for people? Yes. I got to tell you, you know, suffering in a crash is traumatic. It was, and to this day, I wonder even how I survived it and lived because it was a pretty violent collision. And sometimes the best place to go is simply eliminate automobiles. And that is to go to paved trails and go to parks. So I would suggest that you maybe start, if you have a, a quiet residential road, bike on your residential street, or simply just bike to a parking lot that's attached to a paved trail and bike on the trail. You know, the the trails, Ira, to me, are a great incubator for people who are just starting off in biking. And like you said, they might feel tentative about these uh, two-ton uh, missiles on wheels that kind of zip by you. I mean, it's it's scary when cars zip by you at 45 miles per hour. So, and, and only a couple feet from your left shoulder. So, I recommend people go to the paved trails. You have the 215 paved trail. You have the the River Mountain Trail Loop uh, over in uh, the Henderson Boulder City. Of course, that's area. that's local to Las Vegas, but in in other parts of the country and the world that are listening. They have to find those areas that are away yeah, from... Seek out the, the paved trails yeah. and just eliminate the car from your trip. How did you decide what to put in your new book? In other words, you had so many stories about your adventures riding a bike throughout the country. How did you decide to put the material together? How did you, Were there certain stories in certain categories? Or was it sequential? Or I'll let you speak rather than me keep asking the question. Yeah, that's a fantastic question, Ira. That was actually the million-dollar question I was trying to crack in terms of putting the book together. The beginning of the book really started with the fact that I bicycled solo across the country, east to west, in 1983 and 1989. And during both trips, I had written travel stories, kind kind of travels with Charlie's kind of stories about life on my bike and the people I was meeting. It was almost a American Voices kind of stories, but just meeting people via my bicycle. But I got to tell you, Ira, most there's a lot of books out there about cross-country bike trips. It's not really original. And when I began looking through all the stories I've written about bicycling over 35 years, I realized that I have written so many funny stories about people who have used bicycles in different ways. I've also come up with some very amusing little mini trips that I created. And I began looking through all the stories. And then I got to tell you, I had one night in, in March or April of 2020 where the light bulb literally went off. And I began categorizing all the different bicycle stories I've written. And I basically slipped them into different categories and uh, and in different chapters. And don't get me wrong, I do have a chapter specifically on the cross-country bike trips, but it's only one chapter. And basically, I went back and, you know, when you, I feel so close to these bicycle stories that I almost look at them as 
like little offspring, if you will, where I went back and re-edited, rewrote, re-chiseled, reformed, recrafted a lot of these stories. I had unbelievable photos, I realized, that were illustrating these stories. So basically, I went back. And what's interesting about editing and writing, Ira, is that sometimes it's much longer to rebuild and kind of renovate a story instead of just building it from scratch. And I found that going back to all these stories and working on the re-edits and the rewrites actually took me longer and was more involved than if I just wrote the stories from the beginning. So, you know, you, you raised a great question. And uh, I got to say, it just came down to literally a light bulb going off in my head one night <laughs> in March or April. It was actually during the pandemic. And I just said, you know, this pandemic doesn't look like it's going to end pretty. So I decided that I'm going to just dive into my bicycle book. And I spent several months rewriting and categorizing the stories and working with a publisher. And I'm really proud of the book. You know, what's interesting about the book, Ira, is that the stories are maybe at the surface about bicycling, but they're really about humanity. It's about people who are living their lives, going through life in, in, in sometimes amusing ways. Sometimes I have some misadventures. Sometimes there are stories about people who are building and bikes for little kids. I mean, the the variety of stories in the book really run the gamut. And I'm really proud about the book. And I really appreciate you giving me the chance to talk about it because it's not so much about bicycling per se. It really is about adventures and travel and just living your life to the fullest. I would think that the reason it was harder to rewrite and edit the book is because when you initially wrote it, the passion was pure. And now you're looking at it later in a much more colder light. And so you you're going to make it better from a writing standpoint, but you want to retain that initial passion, unless I'm totally wrong. Yeah, I was trying to, like you said, keep that seed of passion in the story while also making it conversational and readable and combine the two, the form, the content, and the style into basically an upgraded story that I've written over three decades. And I'm really proud about the book. I, I mean, I, I, I hate to kind of brag about it, but I've received so many great comments and feedback from people who have bought the book. You know, people have mentioned that it's like the perfect book for our times and it's their bedside reading. And people just enjoy reading about travel stories via the bicycle and all the crazy adventures and the people I met. But there's, like I said, that's that's one type of story in the book. There are other really amusing stories. And I ha even had a few sports-themed stories where uh, I talked about a fan in South Florida who would ride his bike 20 miles from Miami Beach out to the Marlins baseball park at the time when they played at the old, I called it Joe Robbie Stadium where the Dolphins played. He would, he would bike like 15, 20 miles from Miami Beach inland. And, and, and I just did a funny story about this guy about why he biked to every single Marlins baseball game. And probably the topper of all is a story I wrote about a Dunkin' Donuts promotion that I uh, wrote about that had the company Dunkin' Donuts giving a free donut after every Tampa Bay Rays win. 
And this was way back. This is in 2007 when the Rays were pretty bad. And the Rays were not winning too many games back then, Iris. So I don't think Dunkin' <laughs> Donuts realized, you know, they figured they would be they would not be giving away too many free donuts. Yes. Lo and behold, <laughs> Joe Madden's the manager. They have a miracle season. They win 97 games. They go to the World Series. I think they lose to the Phillies. But the point is, it was free donuts for every win. So I actually made a promise that if the Rays made the playoffs, I would create a 100-mile bike ride that would include as many Dunkin' Donuts stars <laughs> as possible. And I included 13 Dunkin' Donuts and collected donuts from all 13 Dunkin' Donuts. The TV stations came out. And we did the story the day after the Rays clinched making the playoffs, which was kind of a miracle in itself. And the whole story behind that, I called it the tour of Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> was just an absolute funny, amusing read. That's, those are the kind of stories in the book. I really, like I said, you don't have to ride a bicycle to enjoy the stories in this book. That story legitimately had a hole in it. <laughs> That's a good so, one. Who was the oddest character you met? in your travels and include in the book. Well, listen, I got to go back to uh, the sports guy from uh, South Florida, the Marlins fan. I have a great picture of him at a Marlins game where here's a guy biking 15, 20 miles. You know, if you, if anyone's biking South Florida, you know, things can get pretty busy and he would bike from literally the shores of, a, of the Atlantic ocean and, and Miami beach he would bike over the intracoastal, and then you got to bike another 10, 12 miles inland to reach the uh, the Dolphins' Joe Robbie Stadium, where the Marlins also shared the stadium at the time. And I have this photo, and it, here's the beautiful thing. You don't need special clothes. You know, a lot of people think you have to wear lycra on the jerseys. This guy would just wear cut-off jeans, Ira. He was just <laughs> he had just cut-off jeans, sneakers, a T-shirt. And he would uh, just bike and then and bike to the game. And the one thing which was amazing would he would bike home. I mean, keep, you know, keep in mind the games end what whatever ten thirty at night. He's biking twenty miles back home to Miami Beach on the roads of South Florida. And and not only that, I have a funny picture of him carrying like two thirty two ounce cups of beer. Uh, during the game, so he's so he's fueling himself with beer. I'm not quite sure if that was like the smartest thing to do, but well, I think it was know, uh, instead of drinking and driving, he was drinking then driving. So there's a yeah. slight, a slight, uh, what's the word? Uh, drinking and pedaling, or yeah, something. drinking and pedaling. There's a, a slight linguistic change there. So yeah, but I mean, he, I'd have to say he was one of the funniest characters, <laughs> and uh, that, that that story's in the book as well. Do you find that you get support from what I would call, I'm going to call it because I don't know what's actually called, in a general way, the bicycle community, quote unquote, for your book? Well, it's interesting. I I have gotten a lot of support from people who just enjoy reading and travels. And I've gotten as much support from people who just simply love reading adventure stories as, a, as I have people who ride bicycles. Keep in mind that, you know, a lot of people ride bicycles for health reasons, you know, for mental health reasons even. They might not necessarily be writing stories about using the bike as a piece of transportation. And a lot of my stories have to do really with how I interact with people while I'm biking, while I'm, you know, making 
trips to the store or you know going to the Raiders stadium. So the cool thing about the readers who have bought Bicycle Man is that they run the gamut. There's such a variety of bicyclists that have purchased a book, which I really appreciate. I can't really say there's one type of bicyclist. I mean, there have been really all types of people who have bought the book who simply love the stories and the experiences you gather through simply riding a bicycle. So whether it's a love of bicycles or a love of riding, they're going to buy your book, read it, and enjoy the stories based on either one, the other, or both. I think there's a lot of people enjoy travel reading, I think, Ira. I mean, there's, I have a lot of, uh, there's a lot of geography, a lot of stories about biking and landscape. I remember I did a story about what it was like to bike up Mount Evans, which is the highest paved road in the United States. Uh, it goes up to, I think, 14,240 feet. It's about an hour west of Denver. And I did a story about what it was like to bike up to the pinnacle of Mount Evans on the road. And the landscapes that you can experience via the bicycle and the people who you meet one-on-one through the bicycle is, I think, the, the secret sauce of the experience. You just experience life in a much more emotional, intimate, intense, visceral way instead of like being in a, you know, behind a piece of metal and glass in a car, it's, you're, you're separate. You're in a room on wheels, just kind of isolated from the world on a bicycle. It's just the opposite. You're actually engaging, interacting, and you're being moved literally emotionally and physically by the bicycle. Do you find that you could also overcome fear? By riding a bicycle, as opposed to, as you say, being in that insulated, isolated car. Well, fear, you know, comes in different forms. Um, like I said, I mean, sometimes I, I, I am very wary of today's uh, motorists. You know, to me, it's interesting. I don't look at them. I don't look at the quote unquote cars as cars. I look at them as people who are li- who are just basically operating a motorized vehicle. And I try to break it down from person to person because when you're in the car, it kind of isolates you. And there's a certain psychological distance between you and the outside world when you're in the car. I think that's why people don't mind coming so close to bicyclists because they don't have a personal relationship with that bicyclist who they're passing. If they had a personal relationship, that person could be your neighbor. It could be a family member you might know. If you knew that person personally who's riding the bike, you'd move over the lane that, you know, in in the state of Nevada, you're required to move over a lane when you pass a bicyclist. If there's, if it's a two lane road, if you have a, if there is a passing lane, you're required under Nevada law to move over when passing a bicyclist. I don't know if too many people know that. But if you knew the person personally and you looked at the person as a person, as a as a mother, as a sister, as a grandpa, I think you would operate your car differently if there was that emotional relationship with the person pedaling the bicycle. 
That's a great way to end it with some great insight. My guest has been Alan Snell. He's the author of Bicycle Man, Life of Journeys. And in addition to his passion for bicycling, Alan is publisher of a popular website, lvsportsbiz.com, which covers the convergence of sports, business, stadiums, and politics. For everything about Alan Snell, and that's spelled S-N-E-L, go to lvsportsbiz.com and you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And to order Alan's book, you can email him at asnell, A-S-N-E-L, at lvsportsbiz.com. That's asnell at lvsportsbiz.com. Alan, thanks for being on the show. I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to chat about Bicycle Man and bicycling in general. You know, it's my life. So when I talk about bicycling, I'm really talking about my own personal life. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to have you on. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.